Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. Very excited today. We have a special guest coming from more of the East Coast or Midwest, I guess you would say. She is an entrepreneur by trait. She's got her hands in a bunch of different things. And real estate is something kind of on the like part-time, I guess you would say. But she's not living like the average person when it comes down to doing real estate part-time what the average person might say. She is working her butt off to be able to build up this tremendous portfolio. She's got 36, 38 plus doors at this point, and she's just a badass in so many different areas. So without further ado, Kimberly, what is going on? How are you today? Awesome. Doing great. Thanks for that intro. Appreciate it. Yeah. So for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, do you mind just diving into who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about your story? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Kimberly Marie. I'm originally from Chicago suburbs, but um, I've been living in Indianapolis for about the last 10, 11 years. Um, and that's where all of my holdings are right now. Um, I started in the residential space and it's kind of the typical progression from starting in flips and then bought a couple single family rentals and then slowly progressed towards multifamily commercial. And right now that's my focus. So my largest building is 23 units. And I'm looking at a 38 unit also, and then a couple like hopefully larger than 100 unit deals right now. So that is my goal to kind of make that jump towards bigger acquisitions. I love it. I love it. So at this point, you have a bunch. I mean, your biggest holding is a 23 unit complex, correct? Right. Yeah. So how did you get into this? Like how how long has it been since you've been doing the whole real estate investing? Yeah, so I started in 2016, and my first project was a complete gut to the studs rehab. And actually, like, I'm now living in one of the houses that I rebuilt, which is kind of cool because it's on that very same street that I flipped like five different houses on. So I kind of started there. And then once I got a couple flips under my belt, I had more resources to work with, and I wanted to kind of do something more hands off because. Flipping a house is a lot more than what a lot of people think. And I feel like wholesaling or flipping is always where people want to start. And it's just so hands-on. Like, I don't want to babysit contractors anymore. There's just so many different things that go into it that I didn't think about from the beginning, which is fine. I mean, I'm, I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty and do the hard work, but it's just very, like, every single day you have to be on site and, you know, doing all this stuff versus, like, taking a week vacation somewhere, you know, I always had to be present. So that was a little bit tough and it's not my full-time gig. So I'm a doctor of physical therapy. So I see patients three days a week. And so, you know, if people were like meeting me on site for stuff and I was in the clinic that day, it kind of made it more tough. So, you know, like I said, after I did a couple flips, had more resources, then got rentals under my belt. And once I, I think I closed the duplex and I was like, man, like, why don't I just put all of this work into closing something bigger? Because once you close a rental, it's pretty easy from there. Yeah, once you have your systems yeah. in place. Yeah. yeah. So then that's when 
I really worked really closely with my broker. I was like, okay, here's what I'm looking for. And then we found the 23 unit, which was perfect, exactly what I wanted. And it's been the easiest thing in the world. Like it's completely different than flipping. It's completely hands off. And I was like, all right, this is what I want to do. I found it. So that's kind of how I progressed through. Okay. I love that. I love that. It's really cool because I know you have your hands in a bunch of different things. You're not just a personal trainer. You also, I, I think I read in your bio that you write articles for the gun industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I do some work in the gun industry. I used to work really close with my gun partner. Um, he lives in Arizona now, but he was one of the head photographers for the industry. And I used to run a fitness business when I was still in PT school and when I was doing that, I was doing all the competitions and I worked for Adidas for a couple of their catalogs and stuff. And so then he found me and we just, he trained me in firearms. And so I started modeling for the gun industry. And then he asked me, you know, why am I writing the articles for your pictures? Like we want to hear from a woman's perspective, you know, I'm smaller framed, you know, I don't like a lot of recoil, just different things like that. So then it turned into testing ammo. I got to build my own AR-15, which was really cool. And then just kind of, again, progressed from there. <laughs> so kind of a little fun side job. Yeah, you're definitely the unexpected, like, I don't know, like hidden, hidden weapon type of thing, right? Because I, I naturally wouldn't have thought that you're, you know, testing out these big guns and writing articles. <laughs> doing modeling, you're doing training, and and also the real estate on the side, which, I mean, it's not the average person type of deals. You're really pushing it to the limits, which is cool. So obviously- Yeah, for sure. Got to keep it fresh. You know, you can't do the same thing every day. <laughs> right. I love it. So what inspired real estate? I know I, I read in your bio that there was a time in your life right around when you were like 16 years old that you ended up going on a like summer trip and you got a little inspired, right? Yeah. So it wasn't a summer thing, actually. I actually moved out of my house for like half the year, my junior year of high school. I moved away, just me to a full-time tennis academy. So I played tennis in college. I was a D2 athlete all four years. And when I was 16, I was super into tennis. I was like, man, I want to go pro. I like love the sport. And so I went to this tennis academy in Southern California in the Valley. And this was 2008. Mm. And I moved like literally in January of that year. And <laughs> it was an academy where it was some people from America, but a, like a lot of people, like the people in the room next to me were from China and Japan. And then above was Mexico, Bulgaria, like Russia, like all over the place. But it was like from the beginning, I noticed when I went there, I mean, I come from a very middle-class family, you know, we all work really hard. I, I'm not from money or anything like that, but I observed, it was very clear that, okay, these people don't come from the same place as I do. Like they're very, very privileged. Yeah. Like they're like very like powerful, connected people. And when 2008 was happening, both my parents lost their jobs. And there was a lot going on in general, like see behind the scenes, like a family member just recently had a stroke and with like eight hours training a day, like I ended up getting shin splints and then I didn't listen to my body. And then I ended up like cracking, like getting a stress fracture in both my legs. So essentially I had two broken legs trying to play eight hours a day. 2008 is happening. And my parents paid all this money for me to be at the tennis academy. And once they discovered that I was as injured as I was, they forced me to be on the bench. Which was like, oh my gosh, like it's crazy. So I, there's a lot going on. I was 16, so, you know, like teenage girl. And so I kind of just observed that, like once I realized again, from the minute I got there, I was like, okay, these people are different than I am. 
So I just was observing everything around me. Like, how do these people like talk to people? Like, what do, what do their families do? Like, what are they, these people about? Yeah. And 2008 was happening and these people weren't even batting an eye. Yeah. I was like, you guys not realize what's going on right now? Like every, the whole economy, everything is crashing down, at least in my world. And these people are like, oh yeah, like tournament this weekend. And like, wow. And so like these people weren't just like rich people. Like they were very powerful. Like they ran the world. And wow. so I was like, okay, like I need to figure out how to protect my future family from something like this. So I need to build this empire that is indestructible something that I know that I can have my whole family's back, something where, you know, even, you know, a lot of different streams of income, a lot of different things every day where if one goes wrong, hey, it's cool, pivot. We're good over here. And so I saw that from a very young age. And, you know, some people never get to see that, you know, like celebrities, politicians, different things like that, which was like really like eye-opening to me. I was like, okay, how can I build something like this for myself and like be in that position? So I didn't know it was going to be real estate at first, you know, because I was doing all sorts of different things. But at this point, you know, I'm 29 years old and I love real estate. Like, and the more I get into it and I, I've made many pivots already. Like I said, in these last four years, I started in flipping and then this and that. And I I don't know if I'm going to pivot again from multifamily commercial, who knows, but every single move that I've made has been really awesome. And I'm like, wow, like opening my eyes, like, man, I could really like build a solid empire here and I could really like have my family's back if anything ever happened. But also, you know, just be financially free for myself, you know, and just be able to go on that vacation a month away and work from anywhere. I love that. I'll be able to run the business. So you're 29 right now, right? Yeah. Got in about four years ago. So right around 25, anybody in your family have real estate experience or any, you know, inspired you to get real estate? Yeah. So, and which this is funny because I actually didn't learn anything from my family, but I had two family members that did it. The very first one was my grandmother. Mm -hmm. She moved here from Japan, like right after world war II, no money, no English, nothing. And I can't remember exactly what exactly happened where she got some money and she bought a six unit in Chicago. And then she did something to fix it up and then sold it. And she's like, Oh, I made like a hundred thousand dollars. And then she's like, and then I bought another one. And then I bought another one. So my grandma started to do it. So then her son, my uncle, started to do it as well. My mom never got into it. But my uncle right now, I think he has about 40 to 50 doors in California. Love so California too, nice. Yeah, yeah. But I, I never learned anything from him when I was coming up. Yeah. And my mom was always like, oh, you should call him and ask him. But I'm like, man, I don't even know what I would ask him at this point. Like, I need to just educate myself and kind of go from there. And once I started doing self-education, I was like literally walking these streets of Indianapolis like every day. And yeah. so I just kind of learned everything that I needed to. And once I found something, I just did it without calling him or anything. And now we can kind of like brainstorm, but like his methods are completely different than mine. So oh, really? <laughs> kind of yeah. ripped up the playbook, but yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So let's talk about your first deal just for a second, just to, you know, if, if you remember the numbers or if you don't mind just breaking down how you got it, how, how you, uh, did you save up money for it? What did that look like? Yeah. So, uh, my first deal like ever in real estate, like my first flip. Yeah. So I kind of came across it. It was very cheap because it was burnt down. It, Uh I'm pretty sure had like a thousand families of cats 
in the basement. <laughs> like it didn't have like, it barely had any walls. It was like really, like it was burned down. Oh, wow. Like abandoned for years, all this stuff. And um, it also had a ton of back taxes on it, like almost 10 grand of back taxes and a bunch of liens from the city, orders to repair, all this stuff. So it was really cheap. But at the end of the day, there was a lot of back things. So I bought my first house when I was 24 in Fountain Square, which is the same neighborhood. And it's done nothing but super increase in value like crazy. Um, Two Chicks and a Hammer, the Good Bones TV show was here. And so there was a lot of hype about it. It's close to downtown, right close to the highways. And like the city was kind of putting a lot of money in this area. So my house appreciated a ton. And so I, my banker hates me. I like refinanced like two or three times within the first year. And the first time I refinanced, I pulled over $30,000 out. The second time it was 70 something. And so I was able to come in with a cash offer and pull it completely off my HELOC. (laughs) So, so that was how I did the first thing. And then the more I was getting into it, I kind of like freaked myself out. I was like, Oh God, like I know I'm, super sure about what I'm doing and exactly what I need to do. Cause I've already watched so many properties. I'm kind of like skipping around in the story. So I hope you could follow, but I, I was like, Oh God, like, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to like flip a house that's completely burned down? And I called my mom to talk to her about it. And I was like, man, mom, I think I'm just going to sell this house. I don't, I don't think I could do this. I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out. And she goes, no, 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 no. Like how much money do you need? I was like, man, mom, I, I need like over 10 grand. Like, I don't know, like these liens are coming due. I got to pay this contractor. And she's like, well, I just transferred you the money. I am now your first investor. Let's go. You're not backing out. I got your back. Oh, wow. Like, oh, boy. <laughs> Let's go. You're so, yeah. So once my mom was on board, then she kind of leveraged her own assets. Like we yeah. both liquidated both of our um, stocks, like our liquid brokerage accounts. And we went like all in between the two of us. So we were able to throw together enough funds. So all in, it ended up being, I think, about... 260 or 250k and we ended up closing for 318.5 nice so we did really well i was like man i think i can make 50 to 60 grand if i do this right and we did we hit it on the head so then that's when my sister my uncle my dad wasn't naysaying so much you know like once i did it once they're like oh like she's not just doing this because it's a fad like she actually knows what's up so That was kind of how it went. So after that, it was a lot easier to like come up with the funds. I wasn't just like scraping together whatever funds I can get, you know? I love that. So at this point, the whole family's kind of starting to chip in. They all want to get a good ROI on their money. So they're like, hey. Exactly. Yeah. Pass it on to Kimberly and let's get some returns coming. So, yeah. So at this okay. point, it's a lot easier. You know, my sister's an ophthalmologist. So now before she's like, oh, no. And, you know, the very like typical, like, thought process but now like she's really opened up and I've seen her change a ton which I'm super proud of her for it and now she has my back and she's an investor too so (laughs) I love that that's so cool so at this point you have almost 40 doors and what what's the goal you know what's the end goal look like the end goal is to continue to hopefully like grow that I would love 500 doors here in Indy really I don't see myself staying in this city forever but it doesn't make sense for me to leave knowing what I know about the area. I mean, I really like have completely engulfed myself in this place. I'm like, at least like the zip codes that I like to invest in, I really know it so well. I know what people are doing around here, like as far as jobs, as far as girls, like what they like in a house and an apartment and just like a lot of things that you can't read on a spreadsheet. 
I think that's what I'm really good at. And so, and I think that's why I was really good at flipping and buying really good rentals because I know what people want around here. Okay. So I would love at least 500 doors before I leave. And then I'm not opposed to other markets. Like I see deals in other markets, but it's just never as good as Indy. So I would say that would be the goal, 500 doors in Indy. I love that. That's a great goal. So at this point, you know, as, as you're doing your due diligence and you believe that you're, you really stand out when it comes down to understanding your neighborhood, any tips and tricks for the listeners? Like, how did you get so confident in knowing your area so well? Yeah, I think it helped because I started as a consumer. I bought my first house. Like I was hunting for a house. And so I was like, okay, I need off street parking. I need a fenced in yard. I need, you know, these types of features in the house. And so that's what I was looking for. And certain things were really difficult to find. And so then when I started actually building houses and then eventually buying rentals and buying apartments, I'm like, okay, I know what people want around here. So I'm going to give the people what they want kind of thing. And you know, you, I have a dog. So I'm walking my dog all the time. I walk in the neighborhood. I have neighbor friends and, you know, you kind of just learn like who's around you because you also fit in there. And so for listeners, I would say, I don't know, I would say start in your own backyard because that's what I did. Because why are they living where they're living, right? Like, what do they like about it? And so if they're looking for a house, like, and I actually see this a lot in people, if they're like, oh, this is a great house. And they're always looking at it because it's cheap or something like, oh, you can easily rent this out for whatever, whatever, and raise the rent. And I'm like, can you though? Like, there's a reason it's sitting there. Like, it's like there, it doesn't have a lot of the features that people want. Like, it's this, it's this, it's this. And people are always like, oh, well, this could be good. But I'm always like, well, what's the exit strategy? Sure. Like, you know, so I always think of the exit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's something that the listeners should really dive into right now. Like, that's such a key, important factor that you always need to look at the exit strategy. And I'm the type of person, I always like to have a couple exit strategies just in case. Like the more educated you are, God forbid when, you know, plan A fails, then you got plan B, C, D type of thing. You know, when when people fail in real estate, just my two cents behind it, I think that they jump from plan A to Z right away, thinking that there's nothing else in between. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. I agree with that. So any, any websites that you've used in the past to really get a, a strong indication of your neighborhood as far as like crime and like city data or best yeah. place, anything like that? Not at all. No? Okay. <laughs> Actually not at all. And that's what's funny because the, the street that I now live on in this house that I'm sitting in I looked it up on like Trulia and like all these sites and it was like this street was dark red and I was like interesting and so I I don't know how they come up with that but I mean back then in 2016 there was a couple of kids that would run around and I mean my own truck got broken into and someone tried to steal it and it wasn't great but then I came in and I literally like knocked out each house that was terrible and they all moved out and so I, you know, I came over here and I met the people and it was kind of scary for this is actually kind of a hilarious side story. So when I was checking out my very first house, I was like, okay, you know, I've never driven by, I've looked at it online, Google maps, whatever I'm going to go by. Went straight from the gym. So my hair's like on top of my head in a bun, you know, flying back and forth. I'm wearing this bright orange tank top, gym hair, don't care is what it said. Short Lululemon shorts, huge coach purse, my iPhone in my hand, chatting on the phone with my mom, and it's raining, and I'm not paying attention. I park the car, 
And I'm like, blah, 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 you know, walking around in the rain, going up to the house. And then I'm like, they like hit me all at once, like from a movie. I'm like, oh, crap. I look around, everyone's on their porch just staring at me. Like, and it's raining. Everyone's just like, I'm like, mom, I think I gotta go. Like, yeah. I think I might be in danger. Like, I need to pay attention. And she's like, well, what's the address of the house just in case they need to call the cops? And I said, mom, the address is 911. <laughs> I'm like, literally, that was the house owner. She's like, get out of there. Yeah. It's not worth it. Bad so time. I came back, <laughs> came back when it wasn't raining and yeah. when I wasn't losing my mind and when I was a lot more alert. Yeah. And I met a lot of the people and a lot of them was the same family. Like it was Larry, his son, Robert, or his brother, Robert, and then Robert Jr. and Larry Jr. And then his wife and then Chuck's over here. And so, you know, when they got to know me, they started to kind of like trust me more. Yeah. And then they'd be like, oh, you know, there's these kids over here, over here on Randolph. Oh, there's, you know, so then I kind of got in on who's the bad houses, who to watch out for. I'm like, oh, this is fine. Like, we just got to get rid of these guys. How are we going to do that? And then knock, knock, here I come. I'm going to go buy your house. Yeah. But it was never my face. I sent my broker, Corey. So <laughs> then once I bought all the houses that were like the crack houses, whatever, and knocked yeah. them down and rebuilt them, the, the street was totally fine. And you bought like five of them on the, on the same neighborhood, right? Mm, I, I ended up, well, no, it was more than that. I think it was more like eight. Eight? I but, love it. That's so funny. Yeah, so literally I had 9-11. I bought 909 here, 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 like all, like literally every single house across. And then, like I said, my goals changed. Yeah. So I flipped maybe like five of them, but then a couple of them that I started to just offload to other investors. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I would like rent one out for a year. And then when it was time for me to flip it, I'm like, well, I don't want to flip it. So I'll vet this investor out who wants to buy it, make sure that they're going to put a good product on the street so that he can take it and I can go ahead and buy an apartment. And so that's kind of what I did. I offloaded a bunch of them too. So that's a good way to get, you know, forced appreciation in your neighborhood. I love that. Exactly. You know, because and it was hard too, because I was the first one, like there was a dividing line of state street at the time in Fountain Square. No one would go east to state. And here I am one block east to state. And so when I built this house, I mean, I put natural stone tiles to the ceiling, like Italian Carrera, straight imported Spanish cream of Marco, smart home system. Yeah. Like I did the whole nine in this house. So it was like a great product, but people would be coming through and being like, well, what's going on with this house? What's going on with that house? So I put together this binder, well, my broker, and we're like, hey, here's all the different houses. It's the same developer. Here's the plan. Here's this, here's this. So I was able to then say, I know this looks like crap right now, but this is being demoed in two weeks. And yeah. this is what's going to be here. So you can literally pick your neighbors. Yeah, I love so, it. So yeah. So those names mm -hmm. that you just mentioned a minute ago, are those legit names or? Of the neighbors? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good neighborhood. I like that. Hillbilly <laughs> <laughs> Central. That's awesome. I know, but they're great. They're so nice. Yeah. <laughs> they come over, cut my grass for like 20 bucks. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had those. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so well, let's talk about learning curves and then... I do want to talk more about that 23 unit complex because I think that's just super inspiring and a lot to be learned just within that. But I know, you know, all real estate investors, there's some kind of learning curve along the lines and no matter like how, how much of a genius or, or expert you are at it, there's always a lot of learning curve. So anything at all that, that you've gone through that has, you know, got at you a few times? 
Yes, definitely. And this is another reason I want to leave flipping. I ended up finding myself in two lawsuits with two different contractors for almost the exact same reason. So I flipped the first house and I did really well. And I had a ton in the pipeline. And so I'm like, okay, great. And there was a couple things I didn't love about the contractor that I was working with. And mostly it came down to communication. I was like, man, like things would get done, but like, I would have no idea. I wouldn't hear from him three, four weeks. And he went and cashed my $40,000 check and then he's nowhere to be found. I'm like, well, this is irritating. And yeah. so at the end of the day, even though I did well and I got done, whatever, I was like, you know, I kind of want to change contractors. I want to have a little bit better of a relationship. If, Cause at the time I'm like, if I'm going to flip this entire street, I want to make sure that it's someone who I can communicate with. Sure. And the second contractor I found, I did feel kind of rushed into it, but there was a couple things that happened. Like, first of all, so I'm a, I'm a PT, physical therapist, and he was one of my patients. Like, oh yeah, I do this, and I build houses, I do this, 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 and I was like, okay, like, whatever, like, sure, and whatever. So, but then he ended up getting a phone call during the session, and it was somebody that I knew. I was like, oh my God, like, you work with them, and da-da-da. So, like, in my brain, I let down all of my walls. I was like, oh! Oh, you work with them great like I'll hire you now and let's go meanwhile like he's not a bad guy but he bit off way more than he can chew like not a lot of people could just come in and completely rebuild a house that's been burnt down like from the foundation up like yeah. it's a lot it's a huge job it's not I mean I mean like moving walls like jacking up houses and redoing foundations it's not like painting the walls you know what I mean did it need to get scraped or, or you guys actually used whatever scraps you had and then just started building up? No, I, we didn't use anything. We left two exterior walls and yeah, unfortunately he ended up demoing too much of the existing house. And so like there was a bunch of things that he did wrong and he pulled the wrong permit, did this, did this, did this, yeah. and just couldn't get the job done. And yeah. then the second guy rolls around who was introduced to me again by somebody that I knew in the industry. And again, I don't think they're bad people. Very genuine person. Like, oh man, I can't believe this is what you're going through. Like, oh man, and here's what I'm doing on my house. And here's what's going on. To like, seemed very genuine. And I'm like, oh wow, you're going to come in and swoop in and oh, fix all my problems from this other terrible contractor. Great. Yeah. And so to a degree he did. And he brought one of the houses to drywall, miraculously, no idea how. And then the other house couldn't get it past framing or whatever, couldn't get it past. And I'm just like, why is this? Or no, we couldn't even get to framing. We couldn't get past demo. Like, I, and I was like, how did you get this house over here? Then he just spent too much money, started getting, because when you get a 40 grand check or a 50 grand check, because those are the checks I was writing. It wasn't like a couple thousand dollars. I think that they just didn't realize that you have to spend it how it was intended to be spent. Yeah, like, you know, so, yeah, and so... <laughs> Anyway, long story, but the same thing happened. And so I ended up having to see both of those guys. And I mean, I'm still dealing with it. This is from yeah. 2017, you oh. know, like it's been like a long time. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, it is what it is. I've had those experiences as well. And a lot of real estate investors, unfortunately, go, you know, into the same exact situation. And yeah, most of mine were in Ohio when I first got started. So doing the long distance from 3,000 miles away in San Diego. Plus, you know, getting judged that I was young, just naive, mm -hmm. brand new into real estate. Don't you love that? <laughs> yeah. And then thinking that I'm from California, so I probably have a bunch of money. And I'm sure you get stereotyped as well because, you know, being a woman, you know, yeah. not knowing or whatever it may be, 
it ends up being frustrating because you can find yourself giving too much money or whatever it may be and getting screwed over by the contractor. So I can definitely relate. My first deal, I had to go through five different contractors. It should have been two months worth of work and it was a year and two months. You know, oh, I, I feel for you, man. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So luckily what I've realized is, and it's always suited me well moving forward is, and this is a tip that, you know, the listeners should write down, simply just using credit cards to make any type of payments. Now, if the contractor doesn't take credit cards, then educate them on how to, you know, because at the end of the day, a credit card, having a detailed scope of work, giving them credit card payments, you can always defend yourself and call up the credit card company and get your money back right away if they don't do the work, if you just have before and after pictures and so forth. So I, I think that's a tip that, you know, anybody should be able to, you know, hopefully utilize and save, save themselves. I know it's always done me well moving forward after I stopped giving out, you know, those big chunks of cash in the beginning. But, right, um, no kidding. Any other learning curves that, that you've gone through that, you know, could potentially help the listeners? Honestly, the screening the contractors was the biggest learning curve for me because obviously it's something that I'm still dealing with and it was just a quick decision that I made. And now the contractor I work with is phenomenal. Like, I mean, they've been fixing, they've doing all of them and it's, it's really, really great. Other than that, I mean, I don't think there was any like learning lessons. I think I'm always learning. And, you know, cause like I recently, I feel like only like a couple of years ago, I had pivoted to change my focus to like the multifamily commercial space. And when I bought my 23 unit, I had no idea there was all of these resources, these spreadsheets, this and that, and for underwriting for this. And I, and I, I just was doing it like all on my own. And I'm not an organized person. Half the time my thoughts are not even organized, which you guys probably have learned in my all over the place stories that I've been telling but, you know, it was between me and my broker who obviously does this and is very, like, good at this stuff. But I was like, wow, like, massive migraines nightly trying to make these numbers work and figure this out. And so, you know, I guess learning curve would be like, hey, realize that there are a ton of resources, especially for multifamily, yep. you know, for the underwriting process, for, you know, bringing that deal to the finish line. It's so important to have a team around you that, like, does this all the time you know for me it was my first deal and I, I learned so much and now I'm like okay going forth I have better systems in place they're a lot more efficient a lot quicker more accurate probably than my typing little numbers into excel you know <laughs> so I love that so with this new contractor that's like a gift from God how'd you meet him and obviously you didn't like leave your guard down right away when maybe it was a, a quick connection you, you kind of built the relationship over time yeah. So from the beginning, this company is way more professional. Like for me to sit down with them, it's like, okay, well, if we're going to talk about this for two hours, like we're going to have to charge you this fee and this fee, and here's what you're going to get. It was very like, okay, here's what it's going to be. I'm not going to give you my time for free, but here's what we offer you. And then the more I started doing that and I was like, Hey, you know, here's what I have. Here's my vision. Here's where I'm going. A lot of that aligned. And nice. so it's like, oh, like I can really grow with this company and this company can grow with me. Like we can mutually really benefit each other. And so I found him walking around again. I saw these signs everywhere and I'm like, huh, I really like what they're building. Yeah. And you know, I always like sneak around on sites like, hey, what you guys doing in here? Mind if I walk through? Like, I don't look threatening. Everyone's like, yeah, come on in. Yeah, yeah. So I like what they, I saw and they always had workers on site. 
so, you know, I kind of was doing my own background work on them before I even picked up the phone. And then they're very professional on the phone. They had a very professional office, very professional team. And like I said, when we really talked, it, we, our goals really aligned. Yeah. And so I don't see it being like one and done thing. Like, Hey, this contract is just going to make some money off me and then move on. It's like, you know, like this could be really good. Like, yeah. and they do great work. They're great at communicating. So it's been really, really good. <laughs> So when it comes down to contractors, what I've realized is that there's typically like three characteristics of a, a good contractor. It's either going to be, and you can't really get all three. You know, in my opinion, you'll get like the two out of three, maybe uh, good quality work, a uh, good price or good timing. And hopefully you can shoot for like two out of the three. With, huh. with this company, where, where do you think they are? on that level they have all three yeah they, they got all they three. have all three the only time they do not hit the time okay is because of me yeah hey i know we were going to do this but actually can we reframe that i kind of want to add this oh i know i told you i was going to do this but actually can we do this and it's like oh crap well we have this just delivered but yeah sure we'll return it we order these cabinets and get the color that you want yeah. Oh, I'm going to put a dog back. Oh, but I don't like the seven inch. I want the 10 inch now that I'm looking at it. So I'm kind of like that headache client, <laughs> but you know, so anytime it's been like that, it's because of me, because I'm changing my mind last minute. <laughs> so. Besides that, it's always great work. And then the price is, is fairly, you know, always uh, favorable. No, they're very expensive, but okay. you get what you pay for at the end of the day with these lawsuits that I have, like Less they're way cheaper than those, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so Give me the pen. I'm, I'll write the check right now. I love so, it. And it's okay. worth it to me to have it be that easy. Because yeah. I truly feel like they're like my team. Yeah. You know, it's not someone who just like works for me. Like, hey, like we are mutually working together to get to the finish line for this so that we can go and do greater things from here. That's so good. So, yeah. So let's talk about the 23 unit before we wrap it up. Sure. How did that come into existence? You know, why 23 units? You know, everything besides that was kind of residential for the most part, you know, a couple units here and there. Yeah. The, uh, before the 23, the biggest building I had was a duplex. Okay. So a couple duplexes here and there. So yeah, the 23 units all under one roof was definitely a job. Yeah. And but, it, just, it made sense because you started seeing, obviously, per door, you're getting more cash flow coming in. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the just the economy, the scale, I mean, like, you get one property tax bill versus, you know, 10. It's like, you know, I, it, it just like made way more sense. Like when you looked at the numbers and like you said, price per door, like just economies of scale, it made so much sense. I was like, huh, like, has this always been here? Like why haven't I been doing this from day one? And I think that's a lot of people's issue when thinking about an apartment, like oh, you're going to buy the whole apartment. Like, Oh my gosh, like it's going to be $3 million or whatever. It's like, well, you're literally like buying a business. Like what kind of money is it making? Look at the, you know, look at the trends. I mean, it's, it's not like it's you paying this money out of your pocket. Yeah. It's like the tenants are paying and it's like way better. I don't know. It's just so much easier to bring a building to the finish line and coming from me. I'm not good at this stuff. Like I, like I said, I'm so unorganized, like getting to closing. I swear my broker probably wants to shoot me in the head, <laughs> but I get there and then I'm great. <laughs> I always close, but it's just so much easier to get a loan. You get way better terms. Yeah. It's way less risk. The The margins are way better. So I think it's definitely the way to go. And it's nothing to be intimidated about. 
Yeah. Do you mind sharing the numbers and, uh, and how you came about that lead? Yeah, so I pretty much, I'm, I work very, very closely with my broker. His name is Corey Gardner, and I would 100% recommend him to any listeners who's trying to get into the Indianapolis market because he is seriously a beast. He knows everything. Like, he's very, very awesome. So I was talking to him, and I said, hey, like, here's what my goals are. Like, what do you think? And just kind of having, like, a brainstorming, masterminding conversation with him. And he said, okay what I can do. And he literally cold called this owner came about like, however it did. I don't know what voodoo he pulled, but like we had like an accepted LOI in like a week. I swear. Like it was like, boom, boom, boom. So what do you want? Yes. Okay, cool. Like two. And he was like, like one, two, three. It was awesome. So he, he just cold called someone. It was not on the market to be sold and um, all the numbers made sense. The seller was in a position where just had a grandbaby, you know, whatever was okay with exiting. And so I was like, perfect. Let me swoop right on in here. And so, and we bought it at like a 10 cap too. So it was like a crazy, crazy good cap rate. So then I was able, once we closed, got in there and just bump rent, did little things. And so really increased the value of the property pretty quickly. Did you need to do a big value add as far as remodeling goes, or was it Basically. It wasn't that big of a value add. I think it was just little things and then like was able to just kind of bump rents because there was a couple things that was under market or, or just like undervalued in general and a number of Section 8 people in there that had utilities included. That was a really, really low rent. And so I'm like, hey, why don't we like, you know, try to bump some of this? And so it was just kind of like little operations things yeah. that I did. But yeah, I didn't like come in and like shake the tree or anything like that. Are most of the tenants that when you bought it, are they the, still the same tenants or did you have a, a good kind of clean out over time? I honestly couldn't tell you. I'd have to call my property manager. I am so hands off on that building. It's unbelievable. Oh, like I, I, I was like, my goal is to be more hands off. Cool. I'm going to yeah. hire you. You're going to answer my questions when I call. We'll have a meeting every quarter or whatever. And it's been great. I have no idea what happens with that building. Nice. So, yeah. so was it being self-managed at the time? By it the, was the previous seller. Yeah, it was. Okay. And then and they had experience in real estate in the past. They had owned other buildings. So I, I don't think it was mismanaged by any, any stretch of that. Like it, okay. I think it did, did a great job. Yeah. Nice. And then you just right when you took it over, you hired it out right away. And uh, no, actually they stayed on as manager for about, was it four months or six months? and then transitioned out to a different property manager who actually was a recommendation from the old owner who managed it like 13 years ago or something. Wow. So yeah, like, and the guy was like, oh yeah, like he got it back on track or whatever, like did whatever he did to stabilize the building like forever ago. Yeah. And so he was already super like familiar with the building. He's like, oh yeah, like you have this in the like knew almost more he's like yeah the studio's in the basement right it's right next to the laundry room and oh you got this and i'm like oh yeah like you still remember the building so it was a pretty easy transition okay you know and then it i'm just hands off i love it and what what did you pick that one up for and how did you fund that deal so i funded it it was i bought it really cheap it was under 650 i don't exactly remember the numbers exactly but it was under 650 for 23 i mean do the math for door i was like a really good deal And the way I funded it was on the same street. I had a house and then a lot next door. And the house, the guy had just moved out and it was my turn to flip it because I I wasn't going to replace the tenant. 
and I just didn't want to do it because I wanted to buy bigger. And so I ended up just selling that house and I took 100% of those proceeds and just put it into the down payment. I think I put about 150 down or something. So between the proceeds of the sale and just, you know, my HELOC and yeah. just my mom helping me too, like we were able to throw together the 150. I love it. That is so, so exciting. Yeah, I love, I love how, you know, you had goals of not being hands on with those deals and you started moving into it and it, it just all started manifesting and obviously working out just how you planned it, which is awesome. You know, nothing. Yeah, nothing, it's crazy. Yeah, but, it, but it's awesome. It's super cool. Yeah, for sure. And if I can do it, I swear any, anyone can do it because I bet everyone is a lot smarter than me, more organized than me everything you know <laughs> so that's my testimony as well i promise you yeah <laughs> yeah yeah this is not something that you have to be brilliant to do <laughs> yeah yeah it's awesome you just got to take action which is very very crucial you know that, that's a exactly big moving piece I right. love it. Well, kimberly you are the best I, I really do appreciate your time i mean your knowledge and just your drive with doing so many different things in life you know it, it's really inspiring it's awesome i think the listeners i know the listeners took a ton of value. If you guys are listening to this, what you're going to want to do is replay this, take some notes and jot all this stuff down because tremendous amount of value. Kimberly, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah. So um, you guys can follow my Instagram. It's at Kimberly Marie 920. You guys could email me Kim at rundorrenovation.com. And either of those options is great. I love it. And what is WAS Investments? WAS. Wise. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so Waz, um, that is a play off my last name. People used to call me Wazo when I was in high school. Okay. So Waz Investments is just the entity I operate under. Boom, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts to the listeners? Final thoughts? I would say do not be afraid to go after what you want because like you said, you know, everyone's going to judge you. Everyone's going to look at you like you don't know what you're doing. And at the end of the day, I think that it's important for you to look at that person and see if that is what your goal is. Because a lot of times people give unsolicited advice and the people who take it are the ones who have to live that out. And the person who said it never, probably won't even remember they said it to you, but for you to let that affect your life from someone who is not living the life that you want, it's just crazy to me. And I think that anybody can achieve anything that they want to. Like I said, if, if I've gotten this far in four years, I think anybody can do it. Whether you're 19 years old or whether you're 65 years old, I think anybody can do it if you take the time to learn. I love that. Very, very inspiring. Cool. Yeah. Well, really, I appreciate how much the, the listeners got a ton of value. I know that. Guys, if you definitely want to reach out to her, connect and see how you guys can add value to each other definitely going to want to do that. If you want to get a hold of me, you can always do so on Instagram. It would be Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott Investor. You can find me at brandonelliottinvestments.com. Anything credit related, what you're going to want to do is reach out at creditcounselelite.com. And then if you needed any credit repair done for you services, you can find us at creditrepairmobile.com. And as always, make sure you hit that subscribe button to Ready, Set, Go Real Estate Investing Podcast. Leave a review. Let us know what you guys think. Appreciate you guys all so, so much. Also, if you leave a review, send a screenshot to me on social media. I will send you my book, Action Driven, 100% free. 
take care of you guys just for hooking it up and leaving a review. Appreciate you guys all so much. Until next time, guys, stay blessed. Awesome. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.